This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 327, 1989 and the Franchise Effect. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so wise you are. was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers of Aliens Podcast. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. This is a podcast about science fiction and fantasy and the intersection with uh, with our spiritual lives and our Christianity. And I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with uh, a couple of my friends, and they are going to introduce themselves right now. Hi, I'm Steve McDonald. And I'm Evan, Evan David. You have two first names? I have three first names. My middle name is Scott. So you're Evan, Evan Scott David, well, or you know he was he was just mimic, mimicking my uh, my usual introduction. So oh Ben Ben Avery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Ben Avery. Yep. Ben, ben. It's actually Ben comma Ben Avery, but you know if you want to mock ben me, ben. yeah that's that's fine. That's okay. Totally Good. okay. So, uh, hey, we're here to talk about some more movies and some more things that happened before Evan was born. Uh, this is 1989. Hey, I was a fetus during this. Okay, so. Wow. Some of it, not all of it, because if it was for all of it, that's a really, really long pregnancy. Correct. Um, but yeah, I uh, <laughs> see 1989. I would have been. Uh, 15. Yep. 15. Just started high school or what I, some of this, I would have been in my freshman year and part of it, my sophomore year. Uh, Steve, we already know how old Evan was during this time, but how, how old were you in, uh, 1989? I would have already been elderly. Can you believe that? So you're about 50, 51, 50, I'm, I'm 52 now. So I was 51 back then, right? 20. Yeah. I was uh, 22. Okay. 22. Yeah. So 1989, though, uh, it was just interesting as we're looking at these anniversaries, like the 40-year anniversary of all those different movies that are near and dear to some of our hearts, um, <laughs> less near and dear to others of us. We but didn't live through them. Yeah. But then looking at 1989, 1999, and even 2009, I was surprised just how many, um, I don't know, milestone uh, movies there were. And yeah. so you look at 1989 and it's just a crazy year. And it, so I, I, you know, I'm calling it the the franchise effect for 1989. Um, but 
I mean, let's just take a glance at 1989 sci-fi movies. You have Back to the Future Part 2. You have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which had a, had a sequel. You have The Abyss, which you could say was a James Cameron if, if you franchise a director. But um, he had a big movie that year. Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the first one. Um, Return of the Swamp Thing. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. That was a thing. How could we forget that? Well, we can. <laughs> uh, I do not fault anyone for forgetting that. Um, Star Trek V. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. The Fly 2. Deep Star 6. Which I, I never saw Deep Star 1 through 5, but uh, Deep Star 6 was then. Um, Isn't that my joke? Yeah, maybe it should have been. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, there's some movies that weren't. There, there was a movie called Slipstream, which is a really not great movie, but it starred Mark Hamill. Um, there was on TV at the Bionic Showdown, the $6 million man and the Bionic Woman. Uh, oh, was that the one with Sandra Bullock as the Bionic I think lady. that was I think that was the one with with Sandra Bullock. So, I mean, but it was a big, big franchise year. Uh, it was it was huge. Um, and then so you, then you look at the uh, top grossing films of 1989. See how many you saw. Uh, Evan, how many of these have you seen? Um, Let's see. Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Yes. Batman. Yep. Back to the Future Part Two. Yep. Look who's talking. The first one. No, I, I've never seen it, actually. It's the beginning of a franchise. I mean, <laughs> I, I hate to go that far, but That's yeah, it was scary. the beginning of a franchise yeah. really was. Um, spawned a TV show. I don't know if you remember that TV show it was a sitcom that was not good. Uh, <laughs> Dead Poet Society. Yep. Lethal Weapon 2. A, did that have a sequel? No, it didn't. I, I'm, I'm going through the top 10 right now. Uh, I've never seen any Lethal Weapons. Okay. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, beginning of a, yes. of a franchise. Uh, Ghostbusters 2? Nope. Okay. Now, these. Uh, this next one doesn't... Well, no, actually it does. The Little Mermaid. Yeah. It had a bunch of sequels. And then um, another franchise that most of us probably haven't seen, uh, but you've probably seen this one at least, but Born on the Fourth of July, which is the, the sequel to yeah. Born on the Third of July. Right, and, um, which is the and then everyone forgot the sequel to that was second born on the fifth of July. July. Yeah, so never seen it. Um, that one doesn't surprise me. You haven't seen it. That was a uh, Oliver Stone, Tom Cruise Vietnam movie. Actually, post Vietnam, it's, it's about a guy returning from Vietnam, and and what he faced after he returned from Vietnam. But but look at that franchise. Uh, Showing there, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade was the number one movie that year. With yeah, four hundred and seventy-four million dollars. Mm, yeah, Batman was number two, four hundred eleven million dollars worldwide. So, that's pretty amazing. Pretty good for that day and age. Yeah, you know, nowadays yeah. they typically they go over a billion. <laughs> But back then, I mean, ticket prices were different and, you know, the 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 way that movies were put out were different. I mean, there's so many different aspects to it. I mean, we could do an entire show on, you know, just how it's changed. But uh, uh, also not in the top 10, but a sequel. We had a Police Academy 6. <laughs> so 
And it keeps on going, doesn't yep, it? Yep, <laughs> yep. The, the hits just keep on coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was interesting because I even remember back then, though, them talking about uh, just the change of the cinematic landscape of these these big hits. The big hits were movies with big stars, big directors, or a franchise behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Batman wasn't a sequel. That was Batman 1989, which is the right. Tim Burton one, um, which I sure. did recently rewatch. I don't know. How long has it been since you've seen that movie? That one? Uh, wow. I, I watched the one with the, the Penguin. Uh, recently, but the, the Jack Nicholson, the original, I don't remember when we did our Batman retrospective, but at some point I thought that we did a couple episodes with Dr. Jace about the Batman movies. And we, Vegas doing we about the animated series. We would have re we would have rewatched it for at least, well, maybe it was blog posts. Maybe it wasn't episodes. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was when, um, uh, Dark Knight Rises. I think it was then that we did like a a rewatch or, or something. That was a while ago. Oh, here's another one. Karate Kid Part 3. <laughs> to, to finish up the trilogy. Yeah. And then, of course, they made a part four. Uh, and I have not seen the YouTube series. Uh, Neither have I, but I want to. And it's free oh, on YouTube God. now. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's free oh, on I'm YouTube that. Uh, with ads, but free on YouTube. Okay. Um, let's see here in. I heard it was good. Uh, July, they also had uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part uh, Part Eight. I've got to get my Roman numerals right. V I I is eight. V I I is seven. I believe there is also uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Yep. So they they were putting those out. But, them out. <laughs> and this is one I, I've never seen. I have heard of, but I have no idea what it's about. Eddie and the Cruisers 2. Eddie lives. <laughs> well, of course, because Eddie, you know, dies in the in the at the end of the first one. So to have Eddie and the Cruisers 2, you were just like, what? So you have to tag Eddie lives on there. It sounds because... like a horror movie, though, doesn't it? It does. Eddie and it the sounds Cruisers like... 2. Eddie lives. It's, it sounds like an Iron Maiden album or something. Yeah. Halloween yeah. five. So actually the three big slasher franchises each had a sequel. In oh, 1989. wow. That's a, kind of a amazing. If you like that type of a thing. <laughs> well, it, it's of interest anyway, as far as the, oh, yeah. the, the topic. Oh, here it is. I knew it. Henry, Henry five Henry also came out fifth. that year. Henry yeah. five directed by Kenneth Branagh, uh, in his lead up to direct the Thor movie. Um, that's right. Sequel to Henry Four. Chops. That's where he cut his chops. It's a- doing some hack. Who's it? <laughs> William? Someone? Yeah. And so then he, and then he did Stan Lee. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 1989. I mean, if you look at these franchises, I, I just I, there's something to be said here because after this. And, and it was happening before this, but 1989 was, I think, kind of the poster child for for franchise and for if you want to have a hit, you need to make 
uh, something that can have a sequel or that is a sequel. And that's what people recognize. And that's what's going to make it a hit. Because looking at cinema, you've got before 1977 with Star Wars, you also had Jaws, which is some people call it the first big blockbuster, first summer blockbuster. Right. Because uh, it made so much money. And then after that, they're, everyone's trying to change over how they do things so they can do this wide release huge moneymaker first weekend kind of a yeah. movie instead of this slow release where it gets released, you know, in New York and Los Angeles. Right. And then slowly it kind of goes yeah. and, and leaks its way toward the middle of the country from the both coasts. And, yeah. and so then with jaws, you have this, okay. Oh, blockbuster. And then they're, they're trying to find the next blockbuster. And, you know, so Peter Benchley is making tons of money because he's all of his books that aren't great uh, are getting made into movies too. <laughs> And, and then you have Star Wars and you have that that effect there where everyone's trying to make the Star Wars movie. And they're, they're realizing with the 70s that they if they're going to have a blockbuster, it has to be somewhat family friendly. And it, and it has to be something that, um, you know, because the 70s got very realistic in filmmaking and, you know, there's cinema verite and everything like that going on, but also dark. Mm-hmm. And and you know reflecting the times, and then you have Jaws, and you have uh, oh we got to make money, and then you have Superman and Star Wars come out and be like okay that money that Jaws money, uh, you if you want to get that Jaws money, you got to be careful and do something like this, you know, and get right. that Superman money and that Star Wars money because that's going to get you, families in the theater. If you want to make hits, you make them like this. If you if they ain't like this, they don't hit, they miss. Yeah, yeah, and so. By the time you get to 1989, what they're doing is they're they're saying we got to put something out there that's recognizable, and 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 something that you know Dead Poet Society. Well, that was Robin Williams, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, and uh, Born on the Fourth of July. That was Tom Cruise at one of the heights of his career. I think he's had <laughs> one of he, the heights. Well, I mean, that was him, like yeah. being that young hot star, as opposed to him right now being this crazy. And I say crazy in the the sense not that he's crazy, although he does act it sometimes, but just in the sense that he's everywhere and doing yeah. everything and doing his yeah. own doing his own stunts still. Even yeah, though he's like yeah. sixty years old, yeah, or something. He's older than me. Uh, and so that's that's kind of the transformation of the cinematic landscape. Uh, is you you got to have this recognizable thing. You got to have the franchise, um, but I saw an article recently about the the Fallen franchise. So Olympus has fallen, and then oh, yeah. was London, London has fallen. fallen, and then yeah. they just did another Angel one. Angel has fallen. Angel has fallen. Okay. Yes. And the article is a really interesting analysis of franchises and how you have uh, at the same time that Olympus has fallen. There was another movie that came out that had more star power, and it was Dean Devlin, and who's from Independence Day and a lot of other disaster movies. And it was basically the same idea where, like, Washington, D.C. was being attacked or whatever. And, right, right. Um, so they come out at the same time. That one made more money but made no sequels, and it wasn't considered uh, a viable thing. The reason Olympus has fallen – is considered this viable franchise. They're still making sequels is because it was made for far less money. Yeah. And so since they made it for far less money, they didn't need to make back nearly as much money for it to be a profitable thing to move forward with. Yeah. 
which I find really fascinating. This idea of you can make very little money, but still be considered a, a franchise hit. And, and so apparently this third one is, is a, actually a decent movie. I haven't seen it. Um, but I was reading a review about it. And they said, this one's actually good. Like this one actually has some, <laughs> a little bit of thematic meat to it. And wow. so it's interesting. So, um, any other thoughts there about, Oh, this is not a franchise movie, but moon trap is a movie that came out in 1989. I got to see a special sneak peek at the trailer for this movie because I went to a star Trek convention Walter Koenig was there. Check off. He was there. He talked about how they were making Star Trek five and then showed this preview for his movie Moontrap. And it scared me. <laughs> I, I couldn't watch the trailer because there's like this scary robot uh, trying to get them. And I was like, oh, I can't look. I can't look. And I did actually years later go back and watch the movie. It was not great. Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Bruce Campbell was in it with him. But um he said, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier is the name of it. Someone asked, is that based on the book? Because a book had just come out, a giant-sized novel called The Final Frontier. And Walter Koenig's like, I don't know anything about the book, but no, it's Shatner's idea. Uh, he's like, well, what's the idea? Uh, we find God. <laughs> and a, a whole bunch of people were just like, what? That's stupid. So before it even came out, it was already getting bad, bad reactions from the Trekkies. So I, I liked it when it first came out. I still do. It's well, I mean, it's, it's hard to like it now because so many people hate it. So it's just sort of like, all right, you know, you know, here's the deal. I am 100% okay with saying that I like things like that. As you well know, I know. Um, Yeah, you are. But one of the reasons why I like it is it, it, it goes a little too far with the humor but it does feel like more than a lot of the other movies. It's a two hour episode from the original series. It, it's yeah. More, okay. more than any of the other movies, because the other movies are focusing in on things like, I don't know, character and, <laughs> and character development and time travel. Yeah. But this one, they were actually trying, trying. <laughs> and I appreciate that. You know, trying to say something. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to say, what's God need with a spaceship? Yeah. I doubt any God who inflicts pain for his own pleasure. <laughs> yeah. I what's God need with a spaceship is my well, second classic. runner up name for what strangers and aliens could have been. Yeah. I remember that was, yeah. I think that still would work as something, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Could use it. Yeah. But so, yeah, just some, some, I mean, and, and the way that, that he they're looking i mean and it's it's more than just the god thing it's a a really interesting look at pain and Mm -hmm. like end of life type of things and uh euthanasia even you know there's there's so many dr mccoy's subplot there was a whole lot there yeah with with regret and yeah because he pulled the plug for his father yeah, and then what, you know, a few weeks later, a few months later, they found a cure to his incurable disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and like so that's that's McQuay terrible. as a doctor carrying around that as his greatest pain. Right. Uh, and then you have Kirk, who when when Cybok turns to him to help him with his greatest pain, he's like, no. Yeah, I, I need my, my pain. pain. Get away. I need my pain. Uh, my pain makes me <laughs> what I am. Yeah. 
which is one of the reasons why I don't necessarily agree that you should emulate that, but it's one of the reasons why I love him as a as a character. As a character, yeah, yeah. But you don't want to know. You you want your pain taken away. <laughs> well, it's not even necessarily you want your pain taken away. It's but you need to deal with your pain. Yeah, you know, yes. like like pain is good because in the sense that pain reveals that there's something wrong. Right. You know, yes. and if, if you didn't, especially physical pain, if you didn't have physical pain, then you might not even know, you know, that you burned your hand or whatever. Yeah. Uh, emotional pain doesn't work quite the same way, but there is a little bit to it like that. And yep. and uh, dealing with pain in the past helps you then to prepare and deal better with pain that comes in the future. And yep. yeah, so Kirk's whole I need my pain, not completely wrong. But definitely not completely right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But as a character moment, it's a good character moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a defining moment because up till then, you know, you see him dealing with his past and, you know, his son and, uh, you know, with, with his feelings for Spock and, and the death and all that stuff. And you're just sort of like, oh, well, you know, it's just sort of like a thing. But now you you have him admitting that you know, he uses his pain. He's, you know, he, he, it, it, it's more than just a defining point for his character. It's something that he includes himself as part of his character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. So let's, let's talk about some of these others then. Uh, Back to the future part two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The Cubs win the world series. (laughs) That's the one that they did not wait to make the sequel. Yeah. And they this is another one where I was aware of this as it was happening. And and this is something in you know in, in middle Ohio and I'm in high school. And yeah, sure, I watched Entertainment Tonight to and you know, <laughs> read read the different, you know, sci-fi magazines or whatever. But this yeah. was something that I was aware of how weird it was that they didn't wait until they saw box office returns from this movie to start yeah. the sequel to determine yeah. if the sequel was going to be a viable thing to make or not. Yeah. Uh, they just did it, uh, assuming that it would be That's the way to do yeah. it. It's not <laughs> the way to do it, by the way, because uh, it's if it works. Yes, you're right, Evan. If it is if it's successful, it's, you want to do it that way because the fans are going to be able to get the thing, you know. And so if you have a Harry Potter in your hands and you know it's not going to fail, it doesn't have to be good, but it's not going to yeah. fail. Uh, so we're going to keep on making them. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. You knew they were going to come out every, you know. But um, Well, they did that with Superman, right? They filmed the first and second one together. Kind of, yeah. Yeah until they didn't have faith in the second one and took it away from the yeah. director, gave it to someone else <laughs> and completely changed things and even changed, you know, the first one to reflect that. So How weird. What did they do to the first one to reflect it? Well, the end of the first one was actually supposed to happen in the second one. Huh? So, wow. yeah, it's really, this is fascinating too. If you watch the Richard Donner cut of Superman two, they, they do that a back in time thing again, because huh. that's, that was their original intention. And I can't remember what the original thing would have been for the first one if, uh, to, to not be that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Um, it's wacky. but that, that was forward thinking, 
you know, they were setting up things in the beginning of that first movie with uh, Zod and, and, uh, uh Ursa, Ursa and Nod. Nod. Uh, yeah. They set up things with them that they never would have come back to if there wasn't a sequel. Yeah. Like it's, it's, here's these, this weird thing happening on Krypton or Krypton that, yeah, <laughs> that, uh, it just wouldn't have had any payoff if they hadn't had a, you know, made enough money to make a sequel. Well, and then you get to Superman two, right. And it, it doesn't open with a montage of what happened in Superman one. And it's a good thing because I feel like everybody would have forgotten that that Phantom zone thing even happened. Well, yeah, I you mean, know? that's, that's the thing. There's though. no home release, you know, or exactly. And that was, that was at the beginning of the movie. And then you, you just caught up in everything Superman's doing. You forget all about that. Exactly. What's interesting with uh, Star Trek uh, three, and I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, because they were with Star Trek two. That was one of the first uh, big VHS home releases. Um, But with Star Trek three, they did a whole re uh, well, they showed um, the death of Spock and they showed the funeral of Spock. But it starts out really small on the screen, like you're looking at a television screen in the middle of a theater. Uh, hmm. screen and it grows onto the screen as it, it's like yeah hey, you watch this on vhs on your tv uh, <laughs> and now we're transitioning back to big giant widescreen you know so you have this tiny picture growing yeah. on the screen uh, i don't yeah. know if they did it that way on purpose or if it's just supposed to be some sort of artistic effect but uh yeah but because of that you you had to have a uh a reminder of what happened before because yeah you couldn't watch it on on home video uh, as yeah, easily I- you didn't have like a, a, a text scrawl, you know, a, a, a scroll like <laughs> Star Wars did that you could just recap it. Hey, <laughs> hey so I went and watched uh, Downton Abbey, the movie tonight. And oh, yeah. it started with uh, about, I don't know, eight to ten minute recap of the six seasons of Downton Abbey. Wow. Which nice. Pam and I, we went out to eat uh, before we went to the movie and we we looked up. OK, so what happened? In the, we couldn't remember where things left off at the end of the, the last season. Uh, so we're like reading through and then um, then they did that recap for us as well. But nice. you, you needed it because they did. Yeah, they were pulling on those threads and they were jumping in as if you knew everything and everyone. Mm. So they they said, are you new to Downton Abbey or do you just need a refresher? (laughs) (laughs) So instead of watching the six seasons, you could just watch the six or eight minutes at the beginning and be fine. You really could. Now, what I couldn't tell is how it was meant to be like on just in theaters like that, because it was actually played as part of the with the trailers. And so after that recap stopped, that's when they jumped to the welcome to the theater and, and like showed all the people getting their, their adult beverages and, and sitting in the, you know, the comfortable seats and, and drinking pop out of glass. The trailer for the movie theater. Yep. The movie theater you're already in. That's wacky. Yeah. So Evan, I take it you like back to the future part two. Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. I enjoy back to the future. Even though I didn't watch, I didn't really watch them till, uh, I was 18 probably. But I enjoy him a lot. Yeah, I saw Back to the Future first on on VHS, but I never saw these movies uh, until I think it might even been after college. The the second Mm -hmm. and third one. I I don't know. How did that happen? My sister just bought 
my daughter a Back to the Future storybook, where it's like <laughs> the little golden book yeah, of yeah. Back to the Future. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, they skip, like they they pay a lot of attention to the beginning and the end of the movie, and like they skip a lot of pretty much everything in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the uh, the voyeurism and the yep. attempt and, and creepy. Yeah, yeah. We actually were just talking about this um, with some friends, Pam and I, just about how we can't. I, I'm not going to watch this with my kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just stuff. I mean, man, it's like you have to censor everything from the '80s now. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. I was like, I was just watching. Uh, the Goonies just to make sure that I could watch it with mm-hmm. my kids. And I'm like, I'm not going to show my kids this. Yep. You know, it's like stand over the screen with like, you know, I mean the, the whole thing with the statue. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> I can't know. No. Yep. Yep. But then I didn't remember any of that. I saw it in the theater as a kid and, and then watched it on VHS in, I think college, but I'm not sure, but I know I've seen it like a couple times but as an adult thinking, oh, hey, I'm going to I'm going to check this out. Maybe watch it with my kids, you know, because of uh, the speech. This is our yeah. time down here, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, yeah. hey, oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we don't need to watch it. It's it's not that good that I'm going to yeah. really push for it. So, but, you know, what you can show them is, honey, I shrunk the kids. Good. Wholesome goodness. Good. I saw that in the theaters with my family on vacation. And uh, we loved it. Yeah. We, I remember. We were... I, I remember that the Back to the Future 3 was the event. I mean, it was it was like one of those. It was like like Return of the Jedi. You know. But I mean, it's 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 interesting because you 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 understand that as like the end of a trilogy. Um uh, Indiana Jones, you know, the end of the trilogy, that type of thing. And, but the things that were at the at the beginning, I mean, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you had no idea that that was going to be a franchise. No, yeah. no. Did you ever watch the TV show? Yes. Probably once or twice. I'm not uh, sure. Because it wasn't on – well, it might have been on the Disney Channel, but it was actually – It was. That's where I saw it. OK. Uh, I saw it yeah. in syndication on Saturday afternoons kind of thing mm-hmm. um, on like channel, I don't know whatever, whatever was not a network station, but, um, <laughs> but Peter Scolari played the, the Rick Moranis character. And I, I always liked yeah. him from uh, bosom yep. buddies mm-hmm. and yeah, it was, it was fun. That's another thing that I'm hoping for with Disney plus is that Disney yeah. plus pulls out some of those older shows that no one cares about and no one's going to get on DVD, but they will definitely watch if they're streaming Yeah, because, yeah. Hey, why not? I'm bored. But that was a fun. <laughs> I'm bored. That was a fun family show, it, and it just had a lot of fun sci-fi stuff to it. But, um, but it was. I remember it being pretty family friendly. But again, I was never watching it as a dad. You know, yeah, <laughs> watching it for yeah. my kids. But I remember it being well, a, a just, fun family show. Yeah, I remember one episode of the show where they had, they were speeding up so fast that everything was frozen, and they were going to continue speeding up until they just phased out of existence. So they had to figure out how to slow themselves down. It was pretty neat. That's dark. Yeah. yeah. Just dark, I, dark I, material. <laughs> I rented Honey, I Blew Up the Kids a lot when I was a kid. Really? And Yeah. And uh, I, I watched that more than the original. 
I was just going to say, though, I, I feel like the sequels weren't as good as the TV show. Because uh, there's Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, and then Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. That yeah. one's not great. That one's not great at all. <laughs> I, but I enjoyed Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. It's a kaiju movie about a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> I just did not really. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> a nice way to put it. Yeah. Put that in Netflix search engine, see how many of those you pull up. <laughs> there probably is one or two more. Yeah. But probably a lot darker. <laughs> <laughs> uh i yeah I, I i do hope for that tv show but the movie itself it's i remember liking it because it was this kind of family thing um there was the the teen romance there was the the child hijinks and and then there was rick moranis you know looking through yeah. his, uh, just the way that they filmed some of the stuff uh, as you're looking through like magnifying glasses and stuff like that. And it was just yeah. these extreme angles and, um, and even and they the end up in a bowl of cereal it. at the end. Yeah. Dad, don't eat me. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, yeah, and those, the other thing, those movies worth were, doing were amazing because of just the, the way that they, they came up with doing those things to make those things look amazingly huge or amazingly small. Yeah. That's you know, what I was just about to say is worth watching is the, the behind the scenes special effects stuff um, where they were building giant size ants. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, it's worth it to see just 1989 creative special effects. Yes. Where it wasn't not, not to say there's not artistry in CGI. There is artistry in CGI, but it's a different kind of artistry. Right. And and just the creative cleverness that you had to have uh, in order to make it work with CGI. Yeah. You don't have to be clever because you just create it. You just you mold it, you know, um, yeah. you, you have to be artistic, but you don't have to necessarily be. It's not problem solving yeah. in the same way. So uh, we don't need to talk about Return of the Swamp thing at all <laughs> <laughs> or Star Trek well, five. How, how does he return? I mean, we have to. Uh, he, he really just returned by walking back out of the swamp. You know, nice. it's like, Hey, I'm back. Let's do another movie with different, <laughs> different people. It's like return of the Jedi. It's like, Hey, we're back everybody. <laughs> I bet you wonder where I was. Well, it doesn't matter. Cause I've returned. Um, he, what well, it is interesting. I guess the, the cool little tidbit, interesting thing here, return of the swamp thing was, um, produced by uh, Michael Uslan Uslan, who is the Batman producer as well. Okay. Uh, and so he was the guy who was also behind the Batman movie. Uh, but the return of the swamp thing was a sequel to swamp thing. Uh, and then they turned it into a TV series. It was the same actor playing uh, swamp thing for, for all three, for the, the two movies and, and the series. Wow. And then, uh, but that movie, uh, this guy got, the rights to do Batman couldn't make Batman had the rights for swamp thing. He decided I'm going to make a swamp thing movie now. And <laughs> it was one of those things, low budget, but made a lot of money, especially on, you know, uh, video rentals and a sequel came with Heather Locklear. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We've already talked about Star Trek five. We've done whole episodes about the fly and the fly Two and that whole franchise, but mm-hmm. the fly Bobby two was Horror. the Eric Stoltz one where uh, he was taking Jeff Goldblum's place uh, as as the son of, of Jeff Goldblum, actually. 
Um, he could have been in Back to the Future Part Two, but but they gave the role to Michael J. Fox instead after two weeks of filming. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks of filming Back to the Future, Eric Stoltz gets fired, gets taken away. They yep. give it. They give it to Was Michael he just J. Fox. Bad or I. I he just wasn't doing the character like they wanted. Yeah, yeah. He he wasn't as – I think he wasn't as likable as what they were hoping mm-hmm. for. Um, and who would have thought, you know, okay, let's go get this guy from a sitcom. You know, yeah. a television actor, yeah. television sitcom. Let's get him. So they get him. Back to the Future, huge hit. Teen Wolf, huge hit. <laughs> I mean this guy, uh, he made the transition over to film in a yep. way that a lot of people aren't able to do. Um, yeah, well, it was crazy because he was doing the movie and the sitcom at the same time. Yeah. So he was, was like sleeping three hours a night or something. It was rough. Yeah. It was rough. Uh, but hey, I'm, I'm glad he did it because Family Ties, yep. <laughs> conservative <laughs> representation in uh, Hollywood. Very right? few. That's right. Very few. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not the best conservative representation but well, i mean it's a combination it was there. you have to have that <laughs> yeah. yeah uh <laughs> where were we oh the fly too yeah we're not gonna talk much more about that i guess huh mm. <clears throat> it's not as bad I as it eric, could have been i heard eric stoltz was in it yeah yeah he was <laughs> Uh, Godzilla versus Biollante was also 1989. I don't know if that's the American really? release. I don't know if that's the American release or the Japanese release, but wow. it was 89. It was direct sequel to um, Godzilla 85, right? Yeah, because in Japan it was 84 and it was released in the States in 85. But I believe that's the one where they had a contest in Japan to create a creature for Godzilla to fight. And it was won by a dentist. Uh, who created <laughs> created the flower the flower creature? That's weird. But that's and of course uh, Godzilla nineteen eighty four is the one where he fights Big Brother, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Very scary. Dark. It's so one of the darker ones. Big Brother was watching him. Yeah. And uh, he's like, "I'm not going to have any of this. Don't watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Quit watching me, Big Brother." <laughs> <laughs> it was very controversial. Exactly how for the, it went. Yeah, very controversial for the decision to have Godzilla speak in it. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, I, oh, I heard uh, Van Halen did the album. <laughs> Maybe I was wrong. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Batman. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. This is the big movie for 1989. Yes. Um. What. what when did you see this, Evan? Batman 89, Tim Burton. Let's see. I know when now when I was young, like five or six years old, I at least watched parts of it. My dad showed me. Um, probably not the whole thing, though. And I, I couldn't tell you when I saw the whole thing. And have you but, seen it recently? Uh, in recent Yes, memory? in the past year. Yep. In the okay. past year, we watched it for movie night. Yeah. Thoughts? What were what were the thoughts from movie night for your friends? Um, they yeah, so none of them had ever seen it. They they're all on they're all watch the uh Christopher Nolan stuff. Right, right. So yeah, so I, I think it was 
uh, three stars across the board probably from everybody. And mostly because of the aesthetic. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just a little too fanciful and probably Tim Burton-y for everybody. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah. There's, I mean, for me, yeah, for me, it's probably a three and a half star movie for me. I, I'm a fan of every scene that Batman's in. Um, but then the other scenes, it's like, uh, not that big of a fan. What's interesting watching it is just how slow it is. Yeah. And like even the action sequences, you know, as Batman is like disappearing into smoke, he's disappearing really slow, you know? Yeah. And when he's like, but it's spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's the intention, you know, as he's falling, yeah. as he jumps to fall behind a, a villain with his cape outstretched to look like wings and it's all for effect for the the filmmaking like the villain doesn't even see it but we just see the slow lower lowering yeah. of this this guy and then uh and there's no attempt really to explain how or what um other than you know he's using well, he's using the the grappling hooks and stuff to get out but well and this is like there's some iconic stuff that is just established here that just carries forward into Batman whether it's the movies or the cartoons or the comic books um obviously you've got uh this is taking some cues from frank miller's stuff where it's a darker batman but this is where you get the iconic line i'm batman and yeah, where you, and you it's know, really early the guy the movie too yeah who are you you know it's the, it's wonderful and then uh bruce wayne should not wear anything except for black turtlenecks for the rest of his <laughs> life because that's his best look you know, and so and I, I do like the way that Michael Keaton, I love the way he plays Bruce Wayne. Um, well, that was the huge thing. I mean, the, all the talk of like who's going to play Bruce Wayne and it's Michael mm-hmm. Keaton, Mr. Mom. Wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, is going to exactly. play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone yeah. said, wait a minute. And Mr. Mom is going to play Batman. That that was it. And then he was in a movie right before Batman where he played like a recovering alcoholic or something. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this guy can act. And all the time he could act. I mean, he's, he's great in Mr. Mom. He's great in those other movies. He's, he's just, he's, he's great in gung ho. <laughs> he's, <laughs> but I mean, he was Be- Beetlejuice that. too. I mean, that was the whole Tim Burton connection yeah. there was, was Beetlejuice. Yeah. Now I yeah. haven't seen Dumbo, but I really want to. Me neither. Yeah. Because, uh, because it's Tim Burton directing Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton. In, in this movie that looks a lot uh, just like a, a Tim Burton movie, you know, it just mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, lots my, of vertical my stripes. Is, my dog is sneezing for some reason. Sorry about that. <laughs> I don't hear a over sneeze. The... I hear like tumbling chains. Like, yeah, well, I mean, pots and pans. That's what it sounds like when he sneezes. He just sneezed like five times in a row. I have no idea what's going on. Sorry, I apologize for that. <laughs> So there's there's iconic there's a lot of iconic stuff in that there's a lot of iconic uh, uh, where the the bat wing against the moon yes you know like that's ridiculous unneeded but so cool <laughs> but awesome like why would he bother doing that you know there's no effect no, that, there's no help but Ben Ben he's not he's not doing that just to be cool but we are at that camera which can only be seen at that angle. So, I mean, yeah, that Joker happens. doesn't see that. Right. I mean, it's just for the <laughs> but, none of the people but, see it. 
he's doing an he's doing an aerial maneuver that he just does every night. You know, we just happen to be in the correct seat to see the silhouette properly. Yep. Yep. And then there's guns. He has machine guns <laughs> on the bat wing. Yeah. And he just is spraying the parade and missing completely. Yeah. <laughs> completely. You want to get that? Nice? It's not a good shot. That's a great scene, though. Yes. The, the, you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. And, yes. and before Love he can it. have a chance to really do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. You ever dance with the devil, devil in the pale moonlight? Going to shoot you now. Yeah. <laughs> what, did you, what did you say? Yeah. Yeah. There's some good stuff in it. There's some really good stuff in it. There's some really cheesy stuff in it. Uh, the model work is interesting and pretty good. Um, this movie is the only time I can tolerate a Prince song. <laughs> which one though there's a there's a handful yeah. there's a I handful. Did the one where joker's spray painting the body the man yeah party. yeah yeah that's good and then there's bat dance that yeah uh, i don't think appeared in the movie ever but uh it's just not the batusi it's something different oh it's it's really if you watch the the music video it's it's a little disturbing <laughs> so uh the other thing with this movie though is I found it really interesting the way they used actual animation, like to do some of the shadow work and stuff like mm. that, that would be CGI or, you know, something else. But um, there's a lot of creative, again, creativity going into the creation of this thing that we didn't notice you know, back I, then, but it's very yeah. noticeable now. I just watched hook uh, again last week and they were using some animation to do the shadow work for Peter Pan shadow. Yeah, when he's flying and and animating a shadow in a 3D environment works a lot better than than like when you would animate, um, you know, fire and stuff like that. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Because it's it's a 2D thing in a 3D environment. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's Batman. Anything else about Batman? I mean, it it launched. Uh, it, it was just a, an un expected hit how big it was yeah. and and then out of that we got batman returns <laughs> where they just gave tim burton too much free reign oh they gave him so much free reign and so much money <laughs> yeah and and the movie we got i appreciate but i mean come on <laughs> like I, <laughs> what were they thinking yeah i do like batman in the snow i do like that but uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. My favorite one. <laughs> a lot That's of people's one. favorite ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just uh, makes my top three. Well, and, and for you know years and years after that, basically from 1989 until 1999, that was the go to movie for youth pastors to use yeah. as a, <laughs> as an object lesson to be hip with the kids because they're using TV movie stuff, you know. And yeah, um, yeah. But the the ending of that, you know, I at least two of my youth pastor friends used the ending of that movie in in their Sunday school classes. So and then God gave us the Matrix. Yep. Um, <laughs> and we can now use that for our Sunday and school. And that illustrate. became the the go to for youth pastors around <laughs> the world. Um, youth pastors only, mind you. I mean, not a lot of senior pastors, children's pastors. They, they weren't using it, but. Uh, you can hope but the youth pastors, man. <laughs> hey, 
And so we got a sequel coming soon. Uh, Matrix sequel and and youth oh pastors. Woo! Did you guys that? hear that? I heard that it thunder. I saw the lightning, wow. and then heard the thunder through my. Now I'm hearing it. That was right next to my house. Okay, so the, was, I don't know if you heard it through the mic now, but that thunder rolled over here from your house. People wow. can listen to this and count how long it takes for the thunder to get from your place to my place and That's figure crazy. out how far away we are from each other. Yeah, because yeah, it was immediate at my house. Huh. <laughs> um, so Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones, The Last Crusade, yeah. what it does is it starts out with a flashback to when he was a kid. You get 15 minute little uh, James Bond opening kind of thing that, and, and so you get, this is, this is trilogy stuff, you know, Hey, we get the prequel stuff. We get to find out where he came from. And then we're going to see his last adventure, which wasn't his last adventure. Uh, and also <laughs> this Slash launches, this launches the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which Trash. is another Thanks. thing that I hope is going to be on Disney plus. I don't know. I don't know how the rights work for the the TV show, but there was some good. That was a good historical drama, action adventure show, and they got two different people to be Indiana Jones. One is a younger kid, and one is a a teen who's out on his own in World War One. River Phoenix, wasn't it? Well, in the movie he was, but it was somebody else in the TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you have. That TV show, so they were making episodes about the kid and the teen at the same time, and there was some really neat stuff that they did with that show. But the movie itself, we're going to find Christ's Cup. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Well, if you believe the <laughs> – we did a whole episode on the Holy Grail, so we don't have to rehash that. That's true. We did. We did. Um. But that was the one of the exciting moments is that moment of the this is not the cup of a carpenter, you know, and, and just yeah. the, there there's some. OK, there's some small insight into the character of Christ with mm-hmm. that, you know, where he was not he didn't come as a ruler. Um, he came as a servant, you know, and, and he didn't come as a king. He rode on a donkey. And well, and you even have stuff um, that correlates with Jesus's own parables about how the Pharisees are whitewashed tombs, you know, because you have the all the other cups are beautiful on the outside. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, if you drink from them, you die. But then Christ's cup, it's all rusty on the outside, but it's solid gold on the inside. What's interesting is that these other cups, there is power in them. <laughs> Like, it's not that this cup just isn't the right one. It's like this cup kills you. Yeah. You know, like the the Holy Grail, you know, it heals Indy's father and it's, you know, it's going to give eternal life or whatever. But the other ones, you know, as as was understated by the, the night, you know, you chose poorly. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I mean, or he chose poorly, rather. Yeah. But. Those other cops, I never thought about it until now. They actually have power as well, like supernatural destructive power. Yeah. Well, I think all the power is from God, who is just watching. In- well, of course, because all power comes from God. Right. So you think um, in the context of the movie, 
God struck anyone dead who chose the wrong cup. Yep. Instead of just making the cup be poisonous or or bad for your health. It's a little. <laughs> I don't know any type of poison. I don't know any type of poison that does what that did to that man. <laughs> so it is a very similar death to the the death with the uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. So. <laughs> That's some radical poison. <laughs> That's some bad poison. Some botulism <laughs> times two, two and a half. It, yeah, it, it it was bad. Uh, I I grant you, he chose poorly. Uh, but a fun movie, a fun romp, and again, special effects stuff that you know stop motion and things like that that they they used for these movies that you know later on we we watch it and we're like oh that kind of takes me out of the movie because that guy just turned into a, a stop motion special effect, but. <laughs> <laughs> especially the, the one that takes me out the most is when the tank goes off the cliff. And so they have the model of the tank and they actually have a stop motion, uh, Nazi in there oh. may, with, with his face. And, yeah. and it's just not, not the, the most wonderful special effect now, but back then that was, you know, cutting edge and they were really, really making it happen. And, um, I remember watching a, a a thing, a making of thing, where they were just talking about how how they did this and and uh, just how how much how much work went into it. And, yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters two, anyone? No. Yes. Nope. I'm trying <laughs> yes. to remember if I saw it. Um. I I honestly I think the first time I saw it was when I did the blog series about. Um, <laughs> Uh, strange Christmas movies. Yeah. Because it takes place around Christmas time, like, like right after right. Christmas before New Year's kind of thing. And, you know, it's a movie. It exists. You can Certainly watch it does. if you want. <laughs> Little Mermaid. Anybody? Anybody? That's one of the worst. We, we've talked about this, though, with our, our Disney retrospective. I mean, this was a turning yes. point for Disney animation. Yeah. Yep. And animation in general on the big screen. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. I just watched the prequel movie, Ariel's Beginning, which we rented for my daughter. Mm. It was awful. <laughs> Is anyone surprised by this? <laughs> Usually I give the Disney sequels the benefit of the doubt. I, I like them more than most people, but this was bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was just not good. Wow. Uh, all those go to heaven. <laughs> I believe I saw it mm-hmm. in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Man, I, that was a family nightmare one, fuel. Not, <laughs> nightmare <laughs> fuel. How about uh, License to Kill? That was another franchise mo- movie. Uh, the summer of '89. James Bond. Did, yeah, didn't yeah. see that one. Uh, that was um, oh, what's his name? Pierce uh, Brosnan. No, that was Timothy no, Dalton. No, no. That was Dalton's okay. last one. Yeah, I have the only Bond movie I've seen before GoldenEye is Moonraker. Mm, we talked about that in last episode. Mm-hmm. Part yes. of the Star Wars effect. 1979. 1979. Yeah. 
So, okay. Well, that, uh, let's see. Best film that year was Born on the Fourth of July. Best director was Oliver Stone, right? Born on the Fourth of July. I believe so. I'm yeah. not sure. No, Driving Miss Daisy was best film. Driving Miss Daisy. But Oliver Storm Stone was best director. Best actor was Daniel Day-Lewis for My Left Foot. Best actress was Jessica Tandy, Driving Miss Daisy. Best supporting actor, Denzel Washington, Glory. Did you ever see Glory? I think I, I missed that one. That's a really good we, one. We own it, but I have never watched it. Oh, really? It came into my house through marriage. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, watch you it. You married it? Best what? original screenplay was Dead Poet Society. Best nice. score, best original score. Can anyone guess? Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Oh, Little Mermaid. Little nice. Mermaid. I don't know what else got uh, nominated, but Little Mermaid. Best original song was Under the Sea, Little Mermaid. Under the Sea. All right. Well, that's 1989, and that is the franchise effect. What can we learn from the franchise effect other than it's easier to do work on something and create stuff that people are familiar with? Make so that's why the sequel before you know if the first one is a hit. No, not necessarily. Just do it, Alita Battle Angel. No, see, <laughs> just do it. Because what happens is if you have Alita Battle Angel and you're doing that, it might never get released and it's just wasted money and time and effort. Because if they had done that for Alita Battle Angel, we still would not have seen the sequel. <laughs> they wouldn't have finished it. They would have dropped it like a hot potato. They would have so guys in charge. But you're not in charge. <laughs> Possibly for that reason, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Among others, but yeah. Yeah, but that's uh when I started realizing and, and noticing, you know, how how business works. You know, you want to create the thing that people want. And in this case, it's people want more, more of the same. And so yeah, Batman Returns was more of the same, but it wasn't exactly the same. Nope. <laughs> People didn't want it as much. So, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He All bites right. a guy's nose off in that one scene. Oh. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer actually put a bird in her mouth for that scene. <gasps> oh, like really? She put the live bird in her mouth oh. when she does it in the movie, and so when it flies out of her mouth, it is actually flying out of her mouth. <laughs> I did not know that. Yes. And now you wow. do. And wow. watch it again for that reason. Yeah. So, yeah, the penguins, they also were trained to pick up Danny DeVito and carry him. Like, no, that's not true. But... I was going to say, like, you lie. <laughs> I was. Yes. Yes, I do lie. I do. Um, all right. Well, let's get any final last words, gentlemen. I do. I have a uh, final last words from uh, this is from Star Trek five. And this is Spock preaching to us. If you can believe that in Star Trek five, he says, and this is my last, my final words, Star Trek five. This is Spock. You must be one with the rock. Speaking obviously about the rock, which is Christ and being one with the rock, which is, you know, our attaining, you know, that. Uh... Am I wrong there? Evan, any final words? 
My only final words are that you guys overlooked the film Serendipity the Pink Dragon, which was a home video release in 1989, that I watched at my grandma's house. So that's a part of a franchise? No, I think it's like a combination of several anime episodes made into a movie for an American release. Yeah. Yeah. There was a... (laughs) Because there's also, I think, Trial of the Incredible Hulk was also uh, a TV movie that year. Uh, again, part of a franchise, but not on the big screen. And uh, But featured uh, Daredevil in his, his first on-screen live-action iteration. Nice. Yeah. Scary. Uh, my last words are thank you so much for listening. Hope you have fun traveling back in time with us to 1989. I don't know when the next in our series of uh, these 10 year look back things uh, will happen, but I do know what it will be. And that is 1999. The Matrix. That will be a big part of our discussion. A big, big part of our discussion. And I think we, we each have to prepare a sermon. I was based just going to say a Matrix. that's probably where we're going to find the most. Uh, stuff to talk about as far as the spirituality stuff goes. So yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) That's that. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great 2019 and we'll come back with 1999. We're going to party like it's (laughs) 1999. Oh boy. The Prince connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Godspeed everyone. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at strangeandalien.com or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. Once again, thanks for listening. And in this movie that looks a lot, uh, just like a, a Tim Burton movie, you know, it just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, lots my, of vertical my stripes. Is, my dog is sneezing for some reason. Sorry about that. <laughs> I don't hear a over sneeze. The... I hear like tumbling chains. Like, yeah, well, I mean, pots and pans. That's what it sounds like when he sneezes. He just sneezes like five times in a row. I have no idea what's going on.